Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Contreras Show. It's March the 18th. We'll talk about the latest change in plans when it comes to the Young Subway extension. Also going to touch on what they're doing in Gray Bruce with regard to mass vaccinations. Their strategy might be one we want to look closely at. It's called a hockey hub strategy. But first, yesterday, uh, Doug Ford was asked about sports and are the kids going to get back to doing sports this summer? Like what is going to happen with sports? I mean, it's very important to our kids' mental health, very important to their physical health. And Doug Ford had this to say about it. I'll be very frank. I got to get the the green light from from Dr. Williams and the local medical officers of of health. Let's just hope by that time rolls around, we're going to have more vaccines. Um, Let's just cross our fingers because I think it's important to get team sports back up and going, get get the kids out there and uh, having some fun. Yeah, I think he used to coach his daughter's um, soccer team. Uh, He goes on to say why he needs to wait for the medical officer of health screen light. I'm going to be very frank. There's no politician in this country is going to disagree with their chief medical officer. Uh, They just aren't going to do it. They might as well throw a rope around their neck and jump off a bridge. They're done. I'm telling you the facts. And I I just can't wait until we can uh, unleash the economy. And And it has to happen sooner than later, but go to root cause. What do we need to make that happen? We need more vaccines. All right. So the problem is we don't have enough vaccines. Um, We're trying to get our guest on the show right now. His name is Joey St. Aubin. He is a CEO of Cam Land Ice Sports, and he basically wants to take the government to task on their position. Uh, the, The government has announced $15 million for youth sports. However, we're not going to be doing any youth sports until we get the green light. Um, and every province in the country is doing more than Ontario, he says, to allow kids to play sports. Families are frustrated. In uh, just over one week, he started a uh, petition for Queen's Park, and he's garnered 7,000 signatures. So we're hoping to get him on the line. We're having some technical difficulties right now. But as soon as uh, the fellas can get Joey on, we'll we'll bring him onto the show. And then I want to open up the phone lines and find out how important it is for you to get your kids back playing team sports. And that phone number is 416-870-6400. So keep it handy because um, the word on the street from Doug Ford, it's not even on the street. It's just the word is that until Dr. David Williams says, yeah, team sports can be played, it's just not going to happen. So when you think about uh, the fact that our vaccine rollout is slow, and kids are low priority, right? I mean, in some cases, your kid hasn't even been approved for a vaccine because there's just starting to test Moderna on kids here in Canada. But when you uh, think about that and the fact that your summer vacation might be put on hold, how important are team sports? Joey's on the line with us now. Uh, Joey, welcome to the show. Good to have you on. I'm happy it worked out. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, good morning. Okay, so you uh, are the CEO of Canland Ice Sports. What is that? Uh, Canlan Ice Sports is a sports and recreation company uh, with uh, facilities in uh, British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and the state of Illinois. We're a publicly traded company in the Toronto Stock Exchange uh, with a focus on recreational sports and entertainment. Okay, so you're fully invested into uh, the area of recreational sports. You say that elsewhere, other provinces are doing better than Ontario. How so? Well, I mean, if you take a look at the uh, province of British Columbia, it never really closed 
top-down uh, sports for kids. It uh, prioritized it right from the get-go. It uh, put in some strict protocols, obviously, to ensure that um, you know facilities would uh, operate uh, sports in a safe manner. Uh, there are limitations in terms of what can and can't be done uh, and uh, cohorts within the buildings, but uh, they, they never shut down kids' sports. And uh, other provinces are making it a priority. And what we're finding right now is that the province of Ontario is not following suit. And that's what we're calling on the province to do with uh, our, um, our uh, new website, uh, supportkidsports.ca, encouraging everybody to, uh, to uh, lend their voice uh, to this uh, uh, initiative and uh, send letters into the Premier, the Minister of Sports, and uh, their local MPP. You've already so you started a, a petition, right? How many people have signed that petition? So far, we've got 7,400 letters that have been sent in. So there are a lot of people out there, obviously, that uh, feel that uh, youth sports should be prioritized and uh, that uh, it's becoming a real problem, you know, sidelining our kids uh, for now over a year and not allowing them to participate in in the sport that they love. Uh, When you compare, um, you know, uh, their lives pre-COVID to their lives today, there's been a lot of things that have changed for them, and uh, we've got to support them and ensuring that they can get back to living a healthy lifestyle. So just to clarify, this is beyond a petition. This isn't just like people getting online because it's very easy for people to put their name on a petition. This is a letter writing campaign. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've seen uh, people uh, take the time to write some real heartfelt letters where their kids uh, really, this was their um, their outlet, you know, their their sport community was their outlet. They, they may not have connected with kids at school. Uh, their social lives around the house uh, in the neighborhood has, has uh, been depleted. And uh, that uh, athletic outlet was, was their outlet. And, um, you know, they define themselves by the sport that they played. Uh, and uh, some were aspiring uh, athletes. And they've gone from being, you know, vibrant uh, young youth to, to some, you know, even going as far as uh, contemplating suicide. So this is, uh, this is a real thing here. This is the reason why we wanted to get behind this movement. Uh, we uh, did this as a joint effort with our friends over at Buckingham Sports, uh, supported by many organizations and sports enthusiasts. We had sent in a, a joint letter uh, in the beginning before we launched this campaign with over 300 signatures. And, uh, and since we launched uh, the website, uh, we now have over 7,400 letters that have been sent in to the Premier, the Minister of Sport, and local MPPs. Joey, could you highlight some of the things that you think are nonsensical government regulations around youth sports here in the province of Ontario? Well, if you take a look at, um, at the classroom, for example, and, and again, I, 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 I don't want to pretend to be a, you know, an expert, but I just want to use uh, common sense here. When we, when we take a look at what other provinces have done, they've prioritized youth sports and they've been able to do it um, you know, successfully. And uh, we believe that with the protocols that we put in place uh, and the demonst- that, that we demonstrated that we were able to do it successfully, uh, we could do it again. But if you take a look at the classroom, I mean, you've got some classrooms that have upwards of 30 kids. Uh, they're on the bus together. They're at recess together. They're in after-school programs together. So why can't they be in sports together? And, and when you take a look at uh, the red control uh, zone uh, cohort limitations of 10 people, and if you take a sheet of ice as an example, we're talking about 17,000 square feet. So 10 people on 17,000 square feet, that's uh, one person per 1,700 square feet. Um, you take your average home on two floors is 1,700 square feet. So that's one person per home. 
Uh, and, you know, we understand that we want to have social distancing. And when you look at the extent that we had gone to, to ensure people's safety from uh, checking in online so that we can do contact tracing to having zone control attendants uh, checking you in when you ar- arrived at the facility, uh, followed by a health and safety ambassador that brings you to your surface, uh, educates you with the rules, uh, and then ensuring that there's social distancing while participating, and then escorting you out of the building when you're completed, uh, and then fo- that's all followed up by robust cleaning protocols. Um, you don't, you won't see that in grocery stores. You won't see that at gas stations. You won't see that in restaurants. Um, and you know what we're doing is we're we're trying to educate the public and those who have been in our facilities know firsthand. I was listening to uh, Lucas Miller in an interview yesterday on TSN. And, you know, he uh, articulated very well, uh, when you come to our facilities, you feel safer than anywhere else. And uh, we just want to make sure that um, the uh, government of Ontario understands the work that has been done behind the scenes and that uh, they prioritize kids' sports because at the end of the day, it's about the kids, it's about their mental health. And uh, while we have been affected as uh, businesses and our employees and associations and coaches, uh, it's it's really about the kids because that's sure. the foundation. Of Listen, we've been dealing with this pandemic for a year. The kids have been dealing with it for like five years. I'm just talking about in kid time because you remember how slow a day would move when you were a kid, how long yeah, a week absolutely. was. So imagine that. Now, I want to play devil's advocate with you, if you don't mind. It could strengthen your argument. Um, I'm not aiming to poke holes in it because I do think sports are important for kids. But when you talk about uh, that 17,000 square foot arena, and and you compare it to, you know, a classroom and social distancing. How, I mean, it, to me, as an onlooker that watches sports, and, you know, I've never played hockey, but I know you get pretty close in hockey, and, yeah, you can put some face shields on and the, and the like, but you're really not uh, static in that 1,700-square-foot arena. And, you know, you compared it to a house, but it's not really the same thing. So can you maybe clarify how, you know, you're, you're making your – ensuring during a fast game like hockey that there's safe social distancing. Yeah, for sure. And just to be clear, it's 17,000 square feet. So it's a, it's a very big space. And uh, we're not talking about, you know, getting back to gameplay. We're talking about getting pe- uh, kids back on the ice in reasonable size cohorts in the instructional programs for the time being until the time is right to get back to gameplay. So back in June of 2020, when, we were permitted to get back to gameplay. We had established a re-engineered game, uh, four on four. Uh, it, we had eliminated contact. We had eliminated uh, 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 face-offs. We had eliminated offsides and penalties. Uh, referees had an electronic whistle. Uh, coaches wore masks on the bench. And we even went as far as putting partitions on the bench uh, to separate players with plexiglass partitions. So, but, but again, this isn't vying to get back to gameplay. This is vying to reopen up sports mm-hmm. in a way that's safe, responsible. Um, and because the other provinces have done it and BC has never shut down uh, that uh, element of opportunity for the kids, uh, we believe that the, the province of Ontario can easily follow suit uh, to what BC's done. So, Joey, can I ask you a personal question? Do you have kids? I have three. And and have they changed? Like, I'm guessing if you're the CEO of Canlan Ice Sports, your kids are involved in uh, athletics. Have did have you seen a change since um you know we've had to back off sports in in your kids' demeanor in how they behave in their attitudes and general um, 
Absolutely. My kids are uh, my kids are growing a little older now. They uh, they were all high level athletes. Uh, my uh, my oldest is 22. Uh, my middle daughter is 21, and uh, my youngest is uh, 18. Um, and uh, just to, uh, to put a couple of things in the context, my my youngest uh, missed her um, her graduation as a midget hockey player. So this was a big event that they had. Uh, set up with videos, you know, looking back on their career and uh, the coach had all these videos uh, ready to go with uh, everybody's commentary and uh, that didn't happen. Uh, mm-hmm. So they missed that. My um, my uh, youngest daughter missed her high school graduation. Uh, so, and, there, and, and, and now uh, my middle daughter is in her fourth year at university. So she missed her fourth year of being with her peers um, and my, my youngest is in her first year of university, missing that first year opportunity of being with her peer group and making new friends. So, you know, it may not be sport, but, but there's been a lot of things that have impacted their lives mm-hmm. that I've been able to see uh, them and their emotional state go up and down like a yo-yo. And as parents, it's tough to watch because, you know, we've sort of weathered a few storms, nothing like this, uh, but we've got to be the rock uh, for our kids and we've got to help. To, to talk them through these difficult situations. And they're starting to look at this and going, is this what life is all about? Is this what our, my world is going to be? Um, and, you know, I think that sport has always been that outlet uh, for, uh, for us Canadians, for North Americans, for that matter. Uh, and, you know, I don't think we should be taking that away. We should be finding innovative ways to getting kids back uh, doing what they love uh, so that they can get back to some sort of, you know, regular life life pattern um, and get out of this this awful state of mind that we're creating for them right now. So before I let you go, um, what is it that you really want from the from the province? Like, wh- what would you like to see happen first? Well, we, we want the province to work with um, the facilities, the sports organizations to getting kids back to participating in sports in a safe manner. Uh, regardless of, um, you know, whatever the, the, the color uh, code is, there's a safe way of getting kids back to playing sports in a safe way, whether it's, you know, social distancing, whether it's smaller cohorts, uh, whether it's wearing a mask, there's a way for them to participate safely. It's been demonstrated time and time again by the other provinces, particularly the province of British Columbia. So this is why we're asking people to go to supportkidsports.ca lend a voice to this uh, endeavor um, and, you know, let the, the government of Ontario know that this is important for us. It's important for our kids. We've got to deal with this uh, once and for all. Joey, I want to thank you for your time today and uh, your efforts. I know a lot of people are gunning for uh, those efforts to actually come to fruition and get their kids back to some sort of uh, sport. And uh, we're going to open up the phone lines inspired by what you've just asked and ask people how important it is for uh, them to have their kids back at some sort of level of sport. Joey, I want to thank you for your time, and uh, and we'll talk again soon, hopefully. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a great day. I'm going to be very frank. There's no politician in this country is going to disagree with their chief medical officer. Uh, they just aren't going to do it. They might as well throw a rope around their neck and jump off a bridge. They're done. I'm telling you the facts. And I, I just can't wait until we can uh, unleash the economy. And it, and it has to happen sooner than later. But go to root cause. What do we need to make that happen? We need more vaccines.
Yeah, I don't think Doug Ford's willing to commit, uh, you know, p- political suicide. That's basically what he's saying there. And he's saying he can't go against the uh, chief medical officer of health when it comes to kids sports. But I support kids.ca is asking you to write a letter to Premier Ford and your local MPP asking them to prioritize safe reopening of youth sports. Maybe it's not gameplay, but maybe it's some sort of drills or something. How important is it you is it for you to get your kids back to sports? Jack and Vaughn. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, go ahead, Jack. Thank you. Yeah, I just I want to make a comment. Yeah, I think uh, you know Premier Ford. He's you know he's trying his best, but it got to a point where he's just kind of uh, you know passing it off to the medical staff, and these guys are nowhere to be seen. I think these seventy four hundred letters. That's a great news, but are they really going to get read? Are, are they really? Is anybody really paying attention? You know, I got two teenage boys at home that are you know having a real tough time with this. Like, you know, they have some protocols in place where, you know, we're allowed to have 10 players on the ice at one time. So just like if we have a letter, we all fall down and collapse. Like, it's just ridiculous. There's not enough attention. Okay, so Uh, you're noticing a difference. You're noticing a difference in your kids not playing sports. Oh, absolutely. Like you said earlier, you know, one year for these kids is equivalent to five in their time. You know, they're they're, they're literally going through a depression. I thought it would never happen because they're pretty much, you know, strong-willed kids. And and I'm I'm a little concerned. They were very confident, very happy-go-lucky kids. And now, you know, we're pretty easygoing. We're a tight family. And I just see that it has serious effects. And, and like, if I have an opportunity to, to break the rules to make my kid happy, I will do it. Uh, it it's just, it's a scary stuff. And it's, nothing's getting hurt. Nothing at all. It's it is a, that's a scary prospect, actually. Sorry, a coffin as I talk. The scary prospect when you hear a parent say, look, if, I, if it's going to make my kid happy, I'm going to break the rules. But I, I think it's important that we're honest here. And he's being honest. He just wants his kid to get out and play some sports. John, welcome to the show. Um, we just, you know, we know that Doug Ford's pretty much saying, uh, unless Dr. David Williams gives me the green light on sports for kids, it's not going to happen because it's career suicide. And we know that Doug Ford does not want to commit career suicide. But how important are team sports for your kid? And how, like, have you noticed any changes? Well, I'm just uh, calling in more just about, because I, I work at a I work at a rec center and we have hockey there, and um, I'm finding that we we send emails to the stakeholders, but we can't actually send emails to parents and other like uh, people that are organizing the the hockey events, and no one is listening. Like no one like the people will come in without masks, and we'll tell them repeatedly put on your masks, and uh, tell them to keep, like stay three feet apart or three meters apart, but no one is actually doing that and. It's like it's coming down from like the coaches. It's coming down yeah. to the kids. Like if the parents want their kids to go back into these organizations, then get on top of them and stop them from doing what they're not supposed to do. Tell okay, so John, what area are you in? I'd rather not say. Well, it's you know. could just give me a region. That's not gonna. You're a John uh, in a region. Halton. It's a pretty common right. name. Uh, yeah, Halton. Okay, so you're in Halton and you're saying parents are not listening because I think Halton's in the red zone. So they're just going in. They're not masking. It's like they're conveniently forgetting the guidelines. And you're saying if you want to progress, that's not the way to do it. No, yeah, exactly. And uh, sorry, they they do come into the building with their masks on, but then they'll take them off while they're changing. So that doesn't that just basically negates everything they've done and they, they don't follow signs. There's signs everywhere. Right. Like our organization has done a great job to like, to 
to put everything together. All they have to do is listen, but they won't. And it comes down to the coaches and the parents. So if they want it back, then you've got to get on top of your kids. All right. I appreciate the call. I appreciate the honesty. Hey, Troy and Muskoka, welcome to the show. Hi, Marty. Thank you. Uh, I want to say two things. First, with Ford, Ford is the leader, and he, he, I understand you have to follow your health table, but as a leader, like your boss would listen to what you say, and then he would take everything into concept, and then he would plan to suit. So as much as we are listening to the health guys, you got to look at the other health. I've watched my kid and the other kids in this area going crazy. The boys are getting more aggressive. How so? I watch them. They're like, they're playing the games and you can hear them speaking to each other. And before, they won't be using certain terms and, and saying certain negative things. And they're, they're saying that to each other. And mm. then I was speaking to other parents and they're like, have you realized that when the kids get together, like outside the school, they're shoving each other and like mm. getting more. Yeah. And it, it, it's, you, you think they draw that. I saw it. But I thought only I saw it. I think she draw that to my attention. You watch the kids and they're getting more uh, aggressive towards each other. It's like they got all this energy build up. There's nowhere to release it. And as soon as they see each other, especially the kids that know each other, they're more aggressive towards each other. I mean, there's, a, there's another health side to this. I understand right. the COVID health side, but there's the mental health side that is hurting the kids. And like that parent said, if I got to break the rule to help my child, of course, I'm not going to let my child suffer in, in this mental state mm-hmm. because the government has their own agenda. This is how I look at it, okay? With the COVID cases, if you had 15 persons with COVID, then you check the household and see if they have any kids. If there's kids in that ho- household, check, do a test on the kids, see if they had COVID. If you have another household where there's kids and, and no COVID, you know, and you can figure out if the kids are transmitting this COVID. You had a whole year to mm. do all these different things so we can let the kids go I get where, I get where you're going, I think, but I'm a little, we're getting a little off topic, but Troy, I appreciate that. And I think you, you know, I saw the phone line start to ring when you said the boys are getting more aggressive. So you can't be alone on that observation. And you'd said you, somebody else saw it too. Uh, Lucien in Toronto, I'm going to let you wrap this up. Yes. Uh, hello, Kelly. Uh, excellent topic. I think from two months into the pandemic, we knew that we can get our kids out doing things because they were not in the high danger group. And to, I guess, refute that other caller two callers ago about people not following the rules, you can't expect 100% of the people to uh, cover 100% of the time, especially in age groups where they're not vulnerable. If you got a coach like me who coached in the GTHL for 11 years, I'm 55, I'm happy to step aside to let a 30-year-old run our team and coach the teams and do bubble groups such as the NHL has done because our kids are being mesmerized by sitting in front, front of computers. They can't go yeah. play hockey. They I, can't go skiing. They can't go anywhere. You go to the ski hills and they shut them down. They followed 100% of the protocols. No one's getting infected on the ski hills, but they still shut them down. What the hell? Yeah, I know. I, I see where you're going with the uh, with the hockey and the bubbling. However, I'm going to poke one hole into that, and that is you can't compare what's going on in minor league hockey or just in rec hockey to the NHL because they're doing tests. Like they actually have access access to the rapid testing. So it's a little bit different, but I see your point.
Um, and I think there's a lot of people that would agree. You got to get your kids out and exercising and you can't just say, go out for a run. I mean, I remember how poorly that worked when I was a kid. Go out and do something outside. Why? I'm happy here. No, go outside and do something. You have to instill, you have to kind of hit on something that instills some passion and desire to go and do that activity. So if your kid plays hockey and you say, just go for a run, it's not the same. It's just not the same. A great Bruce health unit. There's something they're doing that caught my eye earlier in the week when, um, when Peter Sherman was filling in for me and I thought, oh, we got to reach out to the chief medical officer of health from Gray Bruce to talk about it. His name is Dr. Ian Era. He joins the show right now. Welcome to the program. Good to have you on. Thank you for having me. So you've come up with this, uh, you're calling it the Hockey Hub Mass Vaccination Center. And you think this plan could be the standard for the most efficient way to vaccinate people en masse when we get large supplies of COVID-19. How does your vaccination approach differ from the uh, average approach? Well, the system is based on efficiency, uh, narrowing down the uh, process tasks to to the bare minimum and spreading this these tasks over a number of people who are not healthcare providers. So it, it will take, for example, to do the consent and the the injection with a healthcare provider 30 seconds and they will wow. move on to the next person. And it is a patient centered. So the person would arrive, sit in one spot, the, the, the service will come to them, be delivered. Then the healthcare provider will move to the next person, next person. After 15 minutes, the person, the patient would leave. Uh, so there is efficiency in it. Uh, there is efficiency in, in time for the patient and in resources, human resources, skilled resources. And, and uh, it's delivered in uh, any space could be arenas or any other space it's scalable uh, and arenas as you know are ubiquitous in Canada most Canadians live close to an arena so the, the infrastructure is there we've run the hub on the smaller capacity checked out perfectly and, and Kelly what's really exciting I've worked in research for years I've never seen a survey uh, for for uh, satisfaction that reaches 100%. And the two services we've done to the patients, one of them is 99%, the other one is 100%. So all in all, uh, I, I am confident this might be the, the uh, new model we use for mass immunization. And uh, you can tell I'm excited. And, uh, yeah. Instead of waiting for the next question, I, I will share with you, uh, different provincial governments have reached out, uh, reached out to us, and uh, with permission from General Hillier, I connected, and it seems it's going to be implemented in a few other provinces as well. Okay, so you're, just to make sure I have this right, because I have not been in a vaccination center, because of course they don't want people going on mass to check out these vaccination centers. I've seen them on the news, but what takes time with this um, vaccine and, and getting your shot is you have to see someone first, go through like a medical checklist, and then you you wait first, and then you go through the medical checklist, then you get moved on to another area where you wait, and then you would be seen by the actual person that will give you the shot. Is that correct? That's in general the traditional uh, clinic. Okay. So what you're saying is instead of doing that, you say, hey, welcome to the clinic. Go sit in that chair. They're safely distanced from other people around them. In some cases, there's are, are there plexiglass screens dividing and things like that? Uh, so there are cubicles about yep. uh, a couple, uh, three feet each, and people will be sitting in a row, and the healthcare provider will will have uh, a chair with wheels and a table uh, with wheels, and uh, they would have an assistant. We call them runners, who would help with uh, 
moving the table from patient to patient. The consent has already been reviewed. Similar to what we do in schools, we send the consent to the parent a week before. So it's available on our website with other yeah. information about the process. So the person, the patient, will have seen the consent. When they arrive, we verify them uh, just because the, we, we need to ensure they, they read the consent, and that will happen not at the at, at the immunization, rather when they're entering the arena. And they will move to that seat where the healthcare provider will come provide the vaccine, move on to the next person. So it's similar to a production line. Speed dating. Efficiency. It's like speed dating. Yeah. You ring the bell, the person gets up, goes to the next chair. So what you're doing is you're ringing the bell and the uh, person vaccinating and giving the, uh, you know, asking you for consent moves to the next person. You don't have to get up from your chair. They come to you. I love this idea. Now, here's where the idea is a game changer. Give us the numbers with a typical mass immunization center, how much they could, how many people they could see in a day based uh, versus your model. So a traditional clinic will see 400 per day, and uh, it requires maybe eight vaccinators. Uh, a bigger clinic, uh, larger venue, mass immunization clinic traditionally would vaccinate around 1,000 and requires 20 vaccinators. Uh, the model effortlessly will, will vaccinate 4,000 uh, per day with only five vaccinators. So that's the efficiency in, in allowing healthcare providers, these skilled workers, to be utilized in the system where we need the most instead of just doing the injection and the documentation and cleaning the table and the chair and all these things can be done by somebody else. So uh, there is way more efficiency. Uh, we, we can vaccinate, and, and this is another metric to look at the efficiency, Kelly. Uh, as uh, a vaccinator, usually they can vaccinate around 10, maximum 14 people per hour. With this model, each vaccinator can vaccinate 90, 90. Per hour. Wow. That's amazing. So why is it that your model isn't the standard model in the province of Ontario? Well, the um, general uh, was uh, expressed his, uh, his support of the model, and he asked me to present to other health units. And uh, my understanding, uh, few health units have moved on to actually implement the model and, and uh, uh, I don't. I can't speak for the rest of the province, but uh, you know these things take time to change, and I, I suspect it, it is a matter of time. I have no doubt the model is is uh, uh, very efficient to a degree that it's it's not a very difficult decision to say this this could be utilized. So it could be very easy for them to uh, change to your model like that. Yeah, and, and Kelly, to be fair, you know, all health units, my colleagues and, and uh, their teams have been preparing for vaccines since last summer. So they have plans in place, they have capacity, and, and if they're able to provide the, the vaccine in a timely way, there is no need to, to change the system. Uh, nevertheless, you know, the, in, my, in my position as medical officer of health, my mandate is to provide the vaccine to my residents as soon as we can. And with this model, it would be a matter of, of uh, uh, weeks instead of months. In, and you asked me about the benefit of the model earlier on. I neglected to mention there's a lot of effort goes into priority. You know, who comes first, the teachers or, or that other essential group or the child care? With this model, you can vaccinate everybody in, in no time, given that there is enough vaccine. And it's a matter right. of time when we receive these bigger shipments. 
Okay, let me ask you about this. This is the only problematic um, thing I can see, you know, when it comes to your design, and maybe I'm just not viewing it properly. Wouldn't this exceed indoor capacity limits? Uh, capacity for vaccine supply? No, for uh, people indoors. Like if you were doing, you know, we have capacity limits on the amount of people indoors. Does that go out the window when you're talking about a vaccination clinic? Uh, it's actually the opposite. Just the arenas that uh, there is bigger space and it's as close to outdoors to indoors as as possible and and the flow free flow of it a person can go through the whole process within 20 minutes so the window of time of potential exposure to covid is less than if you walk into a hospital to get a vaccine and come out usually it takes 40 minutes to go in and out without even the service so the time factor is less uh, risk for infection and the fact that uh, the flow is about uh, maximum nine people per minute uh, so so that's a very safe flow actually for for prevention of transmission of disease this is uh, th this is a plus having the vaccination through this model and there's another aspect of safety people who work in immunization clinics would know that after the vaccine when the person gets up, goes to the recovery area and sits there. That trip is associated with falls related to vagal reflex, just fainting for no oh. good reason. It's not pain, it's not, and that really can cause injury. In my, in my first year medical student, I, I uh, witnessed uh, an injury where there was, you know, there was a gush of, of uh, uh, blood and, and uh, you know, the EMS will come. So the whole process will stop. Recovery in place, the person will get the injection, wait 15 minutes, gets up and leaves. Uh, so there is less risk of uh, uh, infectious disease and less, there is less risk of injury as well. Wow, Dr. Aria, I I'm so happy that we spoke because I think this is such a great idea. I love your model and I hope it's adopted uh, everywhere across the province. This is the way I'd like to be vaccinated. Go sit in the chair, we'll come to you. Yeah, and, and you know, the... 80-plus groups that we vaccinated, you can appreciate uh, their older folk, uh, folks usually slower to move, and there is a sometimes barrier with hearing. So the process was slowed down. Nevertheless, it, was, it remained around one minute. And, and universally, I'm receiving emails from, from uh, seniors in Grey Bruce um, expressing their, their comfort, their appreciation, the service coming to them. Uh, physicians as well have been actually asking to use the hub, and they have been running it with support from our staff. Uh, I do believe this is uh, more patient-centered instead of, you know, having a system that, that uh, requires the patient to move to different locations. It's amazing. I, I really appreciate your time today, Dr. Era. Have yourself a fantastic afternoon. You as well. Take care. Cheers. Dr. Era is uh, Gray Bruce's medical officer of health, figured out the quickest way to mass vaccinate people in the safest manner. I love this. Why? It's so simple. It's so simple. It's right there. Why would we not all adopt this? I don't see any reason why. Ontario is scaling back on the proposed young subway extension. Now, we've been talking about this for years, and it just, uh, it becomes kind of, uh, exhausting. Is that a good way to put it? Uh, you know, it hasn't happened yet. There's money being thrown at it. But the biggest change for the new Metrolinx plan is that the route would not be tunneled all the way. So a bit south of Highway 7, they're saying, 
uh, the route would veer to the east and come up to the service to run along an existing freight rail corridor. I guess this would save some money. And the other thing that they've discovered is that the initial plan actually had trains running under and uh, near a, a graveyard. And that graveyard had to be refined to site the tunnel differently. So if that's the case, I think we've all watched Poltergeist. It's not good to build anything around a graveyard, is it? <laughs> I mean, we don't want to wake the dead. Well, remember in Ghost, there was a there was a ghost on that subway. So uh, that, that was one of the biggest uh, problems were those ghosts on the subway. So uh, better to probably try and take that subway as far away from that uh, ghost as possible. Are we talking about the Patrick Swayze film? <laughs> yes, yes. All I remember is the is the uh, pottery scene. The the okay, scene. no, there was a ghost remembers. scene. <laughs> really, there I didn't even ghost, know there was a ghost was like, in Ghost. There was another ghost. Who was, was the ghost? Like was he the ghost or was the she the ghost? I thought he Whoopi was the, Goldberg was the ghost. He was ghost. the ghost. Oh. No, <laughs> no Whoopi Goldberg could see the ghost, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, correct. He was um, the ghost. She was about, the potter. Was, yes, exactly. And she missed him very, very much. Okay, here's another question. And what did they What did they make? Besides sweet, sweet, love. ghosty love. <laughs> yeah. Chris was like oh. six when the movie com- came out. He's telling us Gen Xers about it. That was a ridiculous movie. I didn't movie. see it in the theater. Oh, Patrick Swayze. I saw it on TV all Ghost the time. Ghost rest his soul, Patrick Swayze. Um, speaking <laughs> of um, Metrolinks, I, I know that now the Up Express, I heard Peter talking about this Monday, that you could pay by your credit card. It's about flipping time that Metrolinks allowed you to pay by your credit card. But I don't think you guys mentioned this. Apparently, you can pay with Apple Pay as well. Use your phone. Oh, you, you that's can, perfect. I thought you meant yeah. a bushel of apples. Here's a bushel of apples. Let me on. Okay. Oh, dad joke. Yeah. Save it. She's not even old enough to understand that. Why are you, why are you busting oh, out your material that you wouldn't know? <laughs> oh, she Don't bust it out on our show. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Apple You're Pay, Chris. Are you happy about us. this? Do you use Apple Pay very much? <laughs> well, I use the credit card app on my phone. So I've, uh, it's, to me, it's really easy, especially in COVID times to not have to you know, worry about like whipping out your wallet, which I consider kind of a biohazard in most situations anyway, because yeah. I sort of reserve my wallet for the grocery store. So once I've touched everything in the grocery store and examined it carefully and checked the expiration dates and then pick the third thing that I picked off the jar, off the shelf, um, then I'll touch that biohazard wallet wait, and wait, pay wait, with wait, that. Wait, wait. Everywhere else I'm using my phone to pay. Correct me if I'm wrong. I just heard it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else heard it. You're playing the loaf of bread game with groceries. And what I mean by that is anybody who's opened a loaf of bread, confirm or deny, you move in about four behind. You don't you, like you don't take the first or second slice. You move in three, four. So you're doing the loaf of bread game with like things on shelves in grocery stores. You are going back. <laughs> I'm checking expiration dates. Four. I'm. I'm not going to, especially, you know what, the the thing is, I'm, as much as we're not supposed to touch everything, we're also not supposed to go to the grocery store every day. So you got to make sure that whatever you're going to buy is going to last and you got to check the expiration date on things. So sometimes you got to dig. Rob, are you playing the loaf of bread game? In the yeah, I do store? it with everything, actually. I usually take the second one. Yeah. I don't play the loaf of bread game because you know why? I've done that before and I've gotten hooped on the loaf of bread game. Let me just tell you, like, it's like, that's the freaking sweater that has the pull in it. I'm like, oh, I'll get me a fresh one. I've tried this one on, but I'll get my, fr-. and then it's got a pull in it. Oh, 
Because you go too no, deep for people. Deep. Yeah, you can't go too deep. No, you should just yeah. stick with what you've got. Two if it three. looks good, get it. It's a lesson in life. Actually, a... live by that. If it looks good, get it. <laughs> get don't it, go deep. It, do it. Don't you don't know <laughs> if there's a pull in that thing. Yeah. That is my analogy for life. You don't ex- if you <laughs> if you go too deep, there might be a pull. Well, that's sort of a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush sort of situation. Crickets. Never understood that one. Anyways, don't explain <laughs> it. Don't explain it. We don't have time. I will say this. I was reading on the uh, during my uh, time of convalescing. That's what we'll call this last week as I was trying to get over this throat thing that you can hear that I still have. this. It's more of a lung thing. Um, that if you pay with credit card, who pays with credit card in this group? Do, do you guys play with pay with credit card pretty much primarily? I don't even want to say. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. I do. Yeah, you do most of the time. Yeah, because of the points, right? You're an idiot if you don't. Exactly. I buy sticks of gum. You don't. You can't buy individual <laughs> sticks of gum. But I would buy that. Like I buy ridiculous things with my credit card because I pay it off at the end of the month. So I treat my credit card like cash. But I was reading this study. It's the first of its kind from MIT. That if you pay with credit cards, listen up, people. I'm talking to you. Pay attention. Paying with credit cards activates the reward center in your brain. And that actually leads to more cravings for spending. Yeah. I mean, I guess you'd think, okay, tell me something I don't know, dummy. But what is interesting about this is the using the credit card stimulates the brain's reward system and gets you to step on the gas to buy more things. But it's not the same with every card. So what they did is it's the first time they've hooked you up to an MRI machine to see what's happening in your brain when you're prompted to buy an item with cash or on credit card. And they found people find it hard to part with their physical cash. And when they pay with cash, they don't have this flood of endorphins that come from the brain's reward system. But when they paid with credit, they did. But not all credit cards are equal. It's If the credit card that you use to pay with groceries Less reward, less dopamine re- dopamine release. The credit card you use to pay for um, vacations and meals, bada bing, bada boom. Way more spending on that. So it's what you're buying. Yeah. Isn't that interesting though? Yeah, that makes sense. But it's also the credit card you're using, huh. I guess. Well, you know what? You could break it down and say, have you ever used that credit card to buy a vacation? Right. So maybe you're right, Rob. But I think it's really fascinating because I could see how paying which with cash you know releases negative feelings oh for sure mm-hmm. but You're i didn't expect yeah but i didn't and and that maybe you wouldn't have that same negative feeling because you can't see the money disappearing from the credit card mm-hmm. but i didn't expect a dopamine release do you know why i think and this is me you know armchair uh scientist here but the dopamine release almost probably comes from that you know, you put it back out into, you put it out into the world, you enter in your credit card information, and then you get it. It all, it's all approved. Even though you knew it was going to be approved, you know, you don't have any problems with your credit card. It's that validation. You still, yeah. it's, it is, it's a validation. Yeah. You know what? I earned this. I've got it. It's Cause sometimes not. when you get it in the mail and then you're like, why did I get this? Yes. It's like not nearly as exciting. Yeah. It's the purchase. Yeah. It's the, it's the spend, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is, uh, it's interesting. They're going to do some further study on that. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget, all you have to do is click subscribe wherever you download your favorite podcasts and we'll be waiting for you daily.